Hello and welcome. I'm Claudia Gunn and you are listening to the Multi Woman and Co podcast. this episode, I have a conversation with Hanan Edwards. She's a marketing manager at Hourlux and she's also the co-founder of NPO Arnhem Together. We talk about self-transformation and integrating into a new culture and society. Her life's tapestry is quite an eclectic one. She started her career in the fashion industry in South Africa and landed up as a marketer in the Netherlands six years ago. A 180 degree transformation to say the least. She leads a non-profit organization for women, which she co-founded three years ago. She often shares the story of unbelonging and integration. How to get comfortable in an uncomfortable place has ser- serendipitously become her signature skill. Life is a constant process of recreation and reinvention. And according to her, it is what makes it so messy and absolutely extraordinary. Hello, welcome back to the Multi Woman and Co podcast. I'm so delighted today that I have a fabulous woman in uh, in a podcast. Her name is Hanan Edwards, and she is a marketing manager and also a co-founder of the NPO Arnhem Together. It's the first English-speaking um, network in uh, Arnhem, uh, which is in the Netherlands. And she's today here as my guest to tell more about her story and to share her wisdom. So, <laughs> hello, Hanan. Good morning. How are you? Hello, hello, Claudia. So lovely to be with you this morning. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very well. Thank you. <laughs> very excited to be on um, the Multi Women and Co platform with you. Oh, very happy to be you. here today. <laughs> Yes, and I'm very excited to introduce you to the audience because um, we know each we've known each other now for about a year, I think, and we've never met in person, but only yeah. online. But uh, I really felt we have a uh, new age, yeah, <laughs> a new but, age virtual relationship. <laughs> yes, but it's a good one. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and I'm so. Yeah, it's been about a year ago. Yes. Yeah. And actually, you were the one who inspired me to relaunch Multiwoman. And that's the reason why I launched a podcast. Wow. I feel completely humble <laughs> to hear that. We found each other via Instagram. And I think you found me via my, also my personal page and then via On and Together. And then we, we slid into each other's DMs. Yes, that's <laughs> Like a modern day relationship and then started communicating in that way. Yeah, and you asked me so one simple question. Why did you stop with multi-woman? And that was the beginning of <laughs> why did I stop multi-woman? And then, yeah, something happened. <laughs> you told me about it. Yeah, you told me about your concept and I just thought it was so powerful and when we spoke about Arnhem Together, we found a lot of crossover between Multi-Women and Co. and Arnhem Together. And I think that's what got the conversation going between us. Yes, exactly. Because um, what I really admire in you and also the community is that uh, this community is 
about women here in Arnhem, in the east of Netherlands, and Nijmegen as well. Uh, for the listeners who, do, who are not familiar with Arnhem or Nijmegen, uh, it's in the Netherlands and it's, it's in the east of the, uh, the east area of the country. Um, and you are the co-founder of Arnhem Together. And can you tell us um, why did you start Arnhem Together? Yeah, it's been a, it's a really interesting story. Um, I'm from South Africa and I'm from Cape Town and I've been in the Netherlands for six years now. Mm -hmm. And I think um, coming to the Netherlands, even though it's such a small country, it's really diverse mm -hmm. between the different uh, provinces and the different regions. And uh, whereas the expat community has a lot of infrastructure and a lot of support in the major cities such as Amsterdam and The Hague and Utrecht, um, the eastern part of the country, like you said, where we are located, it's really um, not that supportive in terms of international community. Um, so when I came here, I felt literally like a fish out of water. Oh. And um, um, I really lacked that um, support and uh, the infrastructure to find my place in Arnhem mm -hmm. and also to find a place for my family. And it was by coincidence that I found a playgroup um, that my partner Sophie had started with um, a friend of hers as well. And that's where I got to meet a really interesting group of women through our children. And we had then said, you know, the kids are all growing up and uh, that little circle or that little play group will only serve up to a certain point when your kids are all grown up and then going off to school. We should really do something to empower women because we, as we met some really dynamic women through this play group, you know, every single person had a very similar story. So everyone here was moving mostly as support to their partner and they were then called the trailing partners. So often, yeah, nine times out of 10, the husband would have a really interesting job opportunity. The woman would therefore have to give up her career from wherever she's from and obviously um, support the husband and play a bigger role in terms of caregiver. As a result, we were sitting with a big community of these dynamic, talented women. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Wow. Yeah. And um, the girls of this uh, play group and I, we actually start, started out as a steering committee of eight women mm -hmm. that actually founded Arnhem Together. At the moment, it's myself and Sophie who are the two founders, and we are the ones that started this organization three years ago. And it was really out of sheer need and sheer motivation to create a really um, powerful platform where we could connect with like-minded women, where we could serve as a catalyst for conversation, where we could um, really be community builders and obviously provide these women with, first and foremost, a place of belonging and finding their friends. And uh, the organizations, um, like I said, it's been in existence for next month. We'll actually, no, this month, sorry, we're celebrating our three-year anniversary as an organization. Oh, wow. But we still feel that there's so much more to, to do. There's so much more that we can actually evolve into. And we hope that the platform will actually become something bigger where women can actually find job opportunities and yeah, we have big dreams for Arnhem Together, but at the moment it started out from a motivation where we could just get um, a really amazing community of women 
feeling strong and empowered and feeling like they belong in in the city yeah so well, important <laughs> yeah but it's so important yeah. and like you said um most of the women come here to the Netherlands because their partner has an amazing job and they they follow their partner which is um quite uh yeah logical but you also had a very good position in South Africa, right? And you have to give, you had to give up your own career. Yes. How was it for I you? Was one of those trading partners. Yes. <laughs> so a lot of the a lot of the women that I was meeting through on and together, um, these stories had so strongly resonated with mine, because I could really speak from a first person point of view, because I was that person. Um, I grew up in Cape Town, born and bred in Cape Town. My mom and dad are from Cape Town. My husband's from Cape Town. <laughs> so we are from the southernmost tip of Africa. And uh, obviously moving to the Netherlands, is, I felt like I was in a parallel universe <laughs> for the first 18 months of my time. Yeah, I honestly felt like, what have I done? Um, but uh, in South Africa, I, um, I studied at uh, university and I actually studied political science and psychology. And then I went on to do a postgraduate in marketing management and uh, went on a totally different trail as one li one's life does. Yes. <laughs> you never <laughs> land up where you, expect, where you expect to. And I landed up in the fashion industry in, in South Africa. And uh, I was um, in corporates and I worked for um, big corporate retailers in South Africa, you know, like these fashion high street brands that we, that we have here in Europe. So I worked uh, all my life in corporates. I've worked... Um, the last company I worked with was a multinational company and I was with them as a buying manager for 16 years. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I went from a complete corporate machine, city slicker, <laughs> <laughs> to then having my life turn around in a 180 degree way to be a stay-at-home mom and support my husband. So, temporarily, <laughs> but yeah. yes, uh, that was that was my um, yeah quite a, a critical uh, moment and quite a pivotal time in my life. Yes, so, I, yes, I have a very you. interesting journey coming from the fashion industry, and it was something that's in your blood. We used to call it the rag trade in mm -hmm. South Africa. Okay, we clothing and uh, yeah, it's still something that uh, is still a, a big love of mine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But uh, yes, it was a very interesting journey. I've learned so much about myself in corporates, and um, but I have learned much more about myself outside. Okay, can you tell more about that? <laughs> what did you yes. learn? I think um, when I came here, and it was quite interesting because when you are stripped literally of your reality and your familiarity, Mm -hmm. and your comfort zone and you consciously make a decision to step away from everything familiar to step into the unknown um, firstly it's a leap of faith that you have to take because you never know what will happen and um, of course you can say wherever my family is is home and um, my husband and I have a very strong uh, foundation we have a very good relationship we have three kids so wherever they are, yes, is home. <laughs> mm -hmm. But um, um, I really felt like I was stripped of a lot of things that used to define me. Yeah. So I, um, 
in my previous career, in my previous life, <laughs> I would think of it as a previous life because it feels like that sometimes. Um, I was really dependent on a lot of external affirmation to feel good about myself. Mm -hmm. And as much as I love the fashion industry, it is unfortunately um, still very ego driven and very um, uh, materialistic, yeah. superficial, uh, for lack of better words. And you do get sucked into that. And your performance and your worth as a manager or as a person with status is very much only dependent on what people are saying about you um, and how good you are at your job. And I found that how good I was at my job kind of became intertwined with who I was defining myself as a person. So mm -hmm. I really used my previous role and my status really to define who I was, not really taking the time to actually figure out what really drove me. And only since moving here and having all of that stripped away, I've kind of had to rebuild myself mm -hmm. and uh, rebuild the building blocks of who Hanan is and what my values are and what really defines me because coming here was really humbling. I didn't have that any longer. Mm -hmm. I had to give up a lot of material things to also come here. We had to sell our house and our car and we literally started like a blank canvas as yeah, a family. From scratch. Um, that in itself was quite a defining moments and I really struggled for the first 18 months I really struggled with the self and the ego I really felt uh, really lost yeah um, uh, the intention was to take some time off after we moved here so um, I, I came with a nine-year-old a six-year-old and an 11-month-old oh, <laughs> and, and a kitchen sink <laughs> and um, the idea was just to take some time off uh, to spend time with the kids and to settle in the family um, and then after after a year or so then to get back into the job market and start actively looking for for a job which also was so disillusioning yes why I thought that coming with my resume and coming with um, a, a really good level of education and such solid experience and such a good track record, I would literally like fall into the next job. <laughs> yeah. And that was not the reality, uh, Claudia. It was, um, yeah, it was really difficult to actually crack into this job market. And a lot of the opportunities that in my industry were in Amsterdam and obviously being, like you said, on the opposite side of the Netherlands and, um, yeah, it just was really tricky, not just from a logistics point of view. I also think that it's just really difficult as a foreigner um, finding your place here and um, standing out amongst all the competition. And um, But that process was really difficult for me, to be very honest. I didn't mm -hmm. get any luck and uh, I became very disillusioned and very depressed as a result of that. Yeah. Um, I have my own viewpoints about that as well, where the job market here, I would feel personally is not as inclusive as mm -hmm. I thought it was. And only once you start living in a country, I guess you start understanding the nuances and how everything works versus um, obviously visiting a place. Mm -hmm. so, um, so for me, that was extremely difficult. And uh, I thought that I would step back into my industry and that didn't that didn't happen 
Mm-hmm. And uh, after a while, I had to expand my, after <laughs> feeling sorry for myself <laughs> for a while. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not that kind of person. I'm, I'm optimistic and I'm, I just get on with things. I'm from a country that is so resilient and I grew up in a culture like that with my own family. So, you know, you just get up, you dust yourself off and you try again. And um, I decided then to broaden my horizons and, you know, look outside the scope of my industry. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was when I was, I was doing a couple of Dutch courses and I was studying Dutch because obviously I wanted to fit in here and be able to communicate and to really find my place. And a big part of doing that in the Netherlands is by understanding Dutch. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I had uh, incidentally met um, a woman along the way that was starting her company in the Netherlands and she was from Switzerland and her name is Kilane and um, that's the company that I currently work with now. Oh, um, wow. Owlax. Yes. So it all kind of happens. And I thought, I believe that things happen absolutely at the right time. And that timing is everything. Through of yeah. completely um, unlearning who I was and redefining and going through such an internal battle um, with uh, my ego and getting back to my core value systems I believe everything happened step by step for a reason looking back at it now in retrospect and the way people had come into my life absolutely at the right time because I met some pivotal people that then I've gone off and started in an NGO with and met somebody through a language course that um, I now work with um, Mm -hmm. in a really dynamic company Um, uh, it's a partnership and uh, her partner's Dutch and uh, Alexander and Kilane, um also stepped out of corporate uh, coincidentally to find their own way in life and oh. wanted to play by their own set of rules and I happen to be in that situation as well so I work with a very small but absolutely global dynamic company where we just complement each other wow so, yeah it's been quite a That's journey a- it's a real yeah. match made in heaven when, when yeah. I hear your story. And yeah. in, in terms of, you were talking about unlearning some things about yourself and the more ego-driven um, image you had about yourself. Is that something that, um, because of working uh, in the fashion industry, or is it something that you have learned over the years from a yeah, very young age? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I think that um, uh, I think my parents were always very um, focused on us getting an education and a very good education. Um, I grew up in apartheid South Africa. Yeah. So that was a really interesting time in my life. Um, and as a non-white woman, black woman, as I would classify myself, um, I just feel that... Um, there was a lot that I had to do and prove and do more, work harder, be tougher to find my place and to prove myself as a success. That's a whole other conversation <laughs> for another podcast. But, no, it's not. <laughs> yes, but uh, <laughs> uh, I think that um, it was quite an interesting dynamic in terms of how I grew up and the emphasis on um, being a success. 
mm-hmm. you know my parents had worked really hard and their generation had not gone and studied uh, at a tertiary level so for us to be given the opportunity to study further at university was a very important milestone for us as a family as well because our history unfortunately um, skewed opportunities towards the privileged and against the underprivileged because uh, when I was growing up in South Africa I mean apartheid existed for 50 years and I remember when Nelson Mandela was released I was 12 years old and that was the last year of me being at primary school So that was also quite an interesting time in my life when uh, democracy had, um, the old South Africa was kind of falling and I was part of that process, being a teenager and seeing democracy unfold uh, in front of my own eyes. And what a crazy experience that was as well. So to come back to the question, all of those circumstances surrounding the way I was growing up had pushed me to be successful and then landing up in an industry that was to a large degree based on, like I said, (laughs) you know, superficiality and ego. I'm not saying it was all bad, but uh, those were, those were the things that you really defined yourself as. So as you climb the corporate ladder, you could buy the fancier car, you could Mm. dress in a fancier way. And, (laughs) you know, that becomes an extension of who you are or so you think. Yeah. And uh, unlearning all of that was, yeah, coming here and actually being stripped of all of that because at home I had, um, I always refer to the Maslow hierarchy of needs. Yeah. So I had my basic needs met, obviously, with um, a really great salary, house, food, everything was in place. Then I had my community around me, my friends and family. So you had your society where you really felt that you belonged. And uh, if you move up in terms of the hierarchy and you get to the top of the triangle, I wasn't really spending a lot of time doing a lot of Mm self-actualization because I was just kind of, you know, operating at at that level. And I always say when I came to the Netherlands, I had none of the basic needs met. So my triangle kind of had to become inverted and had to be turned on its head. Suddenly I had of course, basic needs met, which were very privileged, but I had no sense of belonging. (laughs) And uh, with all of that taken away, it almost forced me to go a little bit higher in my awareness and my consciousness and actually say, well, what actually, what, what, who are you? What actually defines you? What to do? What are your values? What makes you proud to be a person today? What value are you adding, not just to yourself, but to the community that surrounds you? And that was a very, very introspective and quite a spiritual process for me. Um, Because, yeah, like I said, it wasn't easy, but um, it was a very humbling experience. And I had to go back to what my core values are. What, What kind of person... Uh, would I what what am I showing my kids you know kids don't do as you say they they mimic what you do and um, not just for them but also for myself yes um, um, and I had to do quite a bit of uh, soul searching to find out what actually um, defines me mm-hmm. and um, yeah just I had to um feel successful without the title 
uh, to feel accomplished without external affirmation. Yeah. I had to really dig into my own bank of strength. Um, and, <laughs> to, yeah. Um, yeah, to, to figure out, um, to figure out who I was again. Did you discover new things or is it still something that you, yeah, that you have hidden for a long time? And I mean, of course, it's nothing really new because you are the person you, that you are. And, um, but sometimes we hide some uh, characteristics or ele um, elements of ourselves in order to survive and i think when i hear your story there was more surviving than really yeah thriving and uh, um, expressing your full potential in the person that you are now uh, as uh, the woman the human that you are now is so different and more whole and more complete yeah i just feel um i just feel that i have more substance And of course, it's a. It's also. Um, it goes hand in hand. I. I, I guess. I hope <laughs> with being older and evolving, because um, I would hate to be the person. I'd hate. It's a strong word. I would uh, not like to be the person I was um, six years ago or ten years ago, because I think that um, um, the whole process of growing and evolving is such a beautiful thing, and yes, it had to take. I think that the moving year was definitely a catalyst to that change, but I'm not saying it wouldn't have happened had I stayed in South Africa, but I definitely think that having my external circumstances change around me was a big catalyst to the internal, um, internal situation that I was going through. It may have mm -hmm. taken a little bit longer to get to, get to where I am, and I'm by no way by no means, <laughs> you know, uh, the evolved uh, guru, but uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to uncovering more layers about myself. Sure. But I did realize that I'm a lot more giving than I thought I was. Mm -hmm. I'm a lot more generous. I think that um, my, uh, pers my perspective on or the value that I place on family has definitely changed the importance that I place on relationships and nurturing the relationships that are really important to me have become the pinnacle of my life. And um, I don't think that anyone's ever going to be um, remembered for what job they had or what status they had in society, but rather um, who they were as a person and what, what, what acts of kindness or what value you actually had brought to your family or to your community. I never would have thought in a million years that I'd be a community builder. I was this <laughs> <laughs> egocentric <laughs> corporate machine back in South Africa and working, you know, um, 60 hours plus a week and had literally no time to even have a balance of being a good mom or a good partner, much less a community builder. Mm -hmm. And the joy and gratification I get from playing such a special role in this community feels like such a privilege that I can actually share my story on in many ways and um, help someone to find their place. I think um, that for me was quite an interesting and surprising <laughs> revelation that I was actually here to serve mm -hmm. my community and um, 
I could do that once I was ready to step out of um, that world with myself and honestly be completely content um, with where I was. And the whole thing about money and status is so overrated. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone, everyone wants to lead a comfortable life. And I'm not saying, yeah, obviously money is a means to an end. You know, it's a means to a satisfying, um, comfortable life. But the amount of emphasis we place on that as someone's worth, I think is quite sad. And we don't ever get to ask someone, so what are you all about? You know, so what do you do? Who are you? And, you know, give me a couple of words that you would use to describe yourself. And that would give me so much more insight into somebody as to, as opposed to asking them, what do you do? Yeah, exactly. I hardly can imagine that you were so different. I mean... How I know you now is you're so generous and you're doing such an excellent job with the community. Yeah, I don't think it was, yeah, I don't think I was ever in the space to allow that part of myself to uh, flourish. I think, yeah. That, um, I also believe one of my core values, actually, um, Claudia, is that I believe that people are inherently good. Mm -hmm. And, uh, um, that's what drives me. I believe that people are misunderstood and everyone has their own true north, but I do feel that people um, are inherently good. Yeah. And if you look at the world through, through those lenses, um, I think it's, it could be quite a beautiful experience. And uh, yeah, you, you, we all have the potential inside of us. Um, just sometimes, unfortunately, it takes a shock or something drastic to happen in order for you to take a moment and take a step out and uh, do a little bit of work mm -hmm. to understand who you are or who, or who you've become or work towards, a, if you're not there yet, to work towards a vision of who you'd like to become. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm not by any means near to where I want to be and I don't ever think I will die being the ultimate version of myself. But every day I can certainly do one small thing to get myself closer to that point. And that's also just the beauty and the mess and um, the complexity of being a, a human being. Mm -hmm. That we Absolutely. are just perfectly flawed. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes it's also, like you said earlier, sometimes we are really hard on ourselves. And uh, regardless of our gender or identity, uh, people tend to be really hard on themselves. Um, and sometimes you have to give yourself permission first to, to be the person you really love to be. And can you share your tools, in quotes, how you, um, yeah, what you did to uh, integrate in a new society or in a new country? besides learning the language? When I was much younger and I was studying, I read a lot of um, philosophies about um, being in the present. And I read a few things by Eckhart Tolle and the power of now and um, the Celestian prophecy and, you know, things that when 
in inverted commas, self-help books <laughs> mm-hmm, <laughs> became yeah. trendy. You know, I was kind of on that bandwagon when I was much younger. <laughs> and uh, then getting into the rat race and not really having a lot of time for uh, spiritual introspection or reflection, you kind of just ticking along. And when I came here, like you said, besides the practical tools that I've adopted by learning the language, I part of the process was to become really aware of my presence and uh, immerse myself in what was happening right now because I felt through all the challenges that I was going through, I was just kind of letting this experience also pass me by. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember when I was home with my daughter and she was then 11 months or between 11 months and um, 18 months at the time um, to also just be in that moment with her. I remember um, on a Monday, I would do the laundry and uh, every day, every Monday, she would think it was the absolute best thing. Like when I took off all the bedding and threw it in a pile on the floor that she could go and dive into it. Oh, <laughs> I want that too. And, and, <laughs> and uh, you know, I, I have these very distinct memories of little moments like that where I felt I was never able to enjoy that uh, with, my pre, with my older kids because I was always rushing to get to the next point. And the amazing thing about emigrating was that even though it was really... Yeah, like all the hardships and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like it also allowed me a pause to hit the pause button. And when I hit the pause button, I could then say, "Well, wow, this is actually an amazing opportunity to be here, to have the opportunity to experience life from a totally different perspective." So bring yourself into the present, enjoy what you have right now, and as mediocre as it may be. <laughs> into enjoy the present and to appreciate even the mundane things in life yeah because some of those mundane details are the fondest and most vivid memories that I have right now so um for me a big thing and I still do it and I'm not perfect like I said but I try at least once or twice a day to just kind of pull myself back And once you realize that I am here right now, I don't have yesterday. And obviously it sounds quite cliche, but tomorrow is not a guarantee. Mm -hmm. It kind of opens up a whole new realm of possibilities and clarity when you are in the moment that you are right now. Yeah. So that was quite a a powerful tool that that I've used and um, would like to think that I'm continuing to use to tap into um the potential that i am in the present yeah and reconnect with yourself at the at those moments yeah yeah um, so that that for me i can't um i mean if i were to summarize it i would think that i would say that that is definitely um a big tool and um the other one is empathy because um the society is very different to what i grew up uh, with in south africa Um, As I mentioned before, I grew up um, in a very racially segregated society. Mm -hmm. And um, I have memories of not my mom saying, well, we can't go to that beach or to that park. And I'm like, why? Why can't we go there? Oh, no, because it's um, only for 
certain people, you know, it's for white people only. And I would look at my skin and go, but mom, <laughs> like I am white, <laughs> oh, <laughs> you so know, and a little girl. And I just couldn't understand, you know, and, but with all of that being said, after growing up in such a multicultural, multidimensional society, we in South Africa actually grew up with so much respect and empathy for people of different colors and histories and races. And it was such a melting pot of excitement. And then coming here, it's quite um, different. Mm-hmm. So um, I would have people come up to me and say, well, um, you know, but you're not black. So how can you be from South Africa? You know, oh. and things like that used to offend me quite a lot. But the second tool coming back in a very roundabout way that I've had to learn while being here was to be tolerant, to practice tolerance quite a lot as a coping mechanism because people's intentions, I would like to think were good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that um, it's just a different norm living here in a society such as um, the Netherlands compared to South Africa, where you don't really see people like me every day um, on the streets. And I do feel a little bit misunderstood. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, just understanding that everyone's asking from a point of curiosity, (laughs) you know, so what is history, you know, in South Africa, there are many people that look like me that have um, different cultural influences that have uh, come from their mom's side and their dad's side that have, you know, um, formed them into the amazing, the rainbow nation. That, yeah, uh, oh, that's a beautiful word, <laughs> rainbow nation. <laughs> and, oh, wow. Um, you know, coming here, I had to really be um, quite tolerant about the fact that it's not as um, diverse. And maybe it's a function of where we are. You know, we're not in a big city, just for the listeners to also be aware. It's not like we're in Amsterdam or The Hague. It's um, it's a small Dutch city. And I was coming from a big city. So also that mentality was was quite different. But it's, it's a consistent thing that I need to work on in terms of acceptance and tolerance. And everyone's perce- perception is different, right? Yeah, but uh, there are so many different... There are so many perspectives. And yeah, sometimes... I do agree with you. It's it's for it's what you do for yourself, the tolerance and being more compassionate, maybe. But sometimes it's hard because um, when you face or when you face people who are not so compassionate, it's quite a challenge sometimes, That's or it true. can be a challenge. But then I also think that what a beautiful experience it is for me to be the teacher of that. Yeah. So yes, you may not be, you may not understand, but let me explain a different story to you. And let me explain, you know, how things possibly work in a different part of the world. And uh, that's what I also love about Arnhem Together is that we have a platform where we can share our stories. And I do believe that people have more similarities than differences. We all want the same thing. We all want to be loved. We all want to be um, in healthy relationships we all want to feel protected and comforted and you know if you strip away all of the other things that people use as masks at the end of the day we all want that at at our core um, as human beings yeah so I also feel it's quite a privilege that I may be misunderstood a lot more often than I am here in the Netherlands than I am at home it's also an opportunity for me to share um, my reality and be the teacher like I said of a different way of being absolutely 
And it's a, it's a very strong uh, way of dealing with these uh, situations. Absolutely. Yeah, it makes me feel, I mean, I'm also human. It makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable as well. But then what is it that's actually making me feel uncomfortable? Mm -hmm. Is it the, what the person has said? Or is it something that uh, I have from my past that's a trigger that's making me react in a certain way? So I've also had to become a lot more conscious yeah. of the reasons um, that I may react or think in a certain way. It's been interesting and uh, I find living here really, <laughs> really interesting. I find <laughs> that, uh, yeah, the Dutch people are one of the most polite cultures that I've ever um, come across, you know, and I think once you, it's not as open as it, uh, obviously in South Africa, like we, you'd meet someone from South Africa and feel like you automatically have known them for 10 years and it's a very guarded culture but um, a lot of people that I've come across have allowed that culture to influence the personality mm -hmm. and I'm steadfast in being who I am and uh, I think the minute you open up to someone it kind of also gives them the permission because you show somebody how to treat you right yes so if I'm open and friendly and say something maybe like a bit crazy or wacky <laughs> Yeah. And then you kind of like get a different reaction compared to what you initially thought. And then you kind of find, oh, wow, we actually have this human click, yeah. you know, despite our history, despite our, um, uh, you know, varying uh, points of view, you know, and um, I kind of feel that the more open I am, the more responsive people are. And I'm just going to continue doing that because I think that, yeah, we don't need to feel embarrassed. And no, it's so cool all. to feel vulnerable. And if you show that you are not perfect and you can express your vulnerabilities and your mistakes, you know, hopefully people around you will also feel comfortable to fall, knowing that it's a comfortable place to fall, you know, that they'll have friends that will help them get up if they cannot do it themselves. Exactly. Yeah. And that, yeah. like you said, we have more in common than, than we think. Yes, we definitely are more, I always say we are definitely more similar um, than different. How do you see the future for your children? Because based on your own experience and um, the person that you are, but also the mother of your children, is there something that you want to pass down to them? Or is it uh, more that you say, okay, I'm here and they have to find out themselves? I, uh, I grew up in a very traditional family mm -hmm. where there was clear boundaries and, uh, you know, um, <laughs> rules. And uh, I kind of have stepped away from that a little bit with my family structure because I feel that um, kids need the space to explore and to have many interests. And, uh, of course, education is really important. That's one of the things that I kind of have adopted from my parents that I am placing a big emphasis on my kids to get the best education that they can. Um, obviously, being here, we're in a really fantastic position where they could study in the Netherlands and work, and the world is really the oyster. Um, but really to explore what makes them happy. I think that um, I wasn't really allowed the space to do that as a child mm -hmm. and, um, and the freedom uh, because of the way I was raised and uh, my parents being quite protective and there was a lot of uh, religious dogma that also shaped my experience as a child, which I really rebelled against from a very early age. 
mm-hmm. and um, I would love my kids to obviously within reason I'm still obviously you know protecting and uh, looking after their best interests but really allowing them the space to fly mm-hmm. and to not have not live vicariously through them you know their success is not my success their success is their success I'm merely the conduit uh, to provide that for them so yeah. they could grow up with the feeling of freedom to really lead a life that fits who they are I would that would be the most amazing accomplishment that I can provide another human being that happens to be my child I think that I mean unfortunately safety is a big thing at the moment in South Africa when we grew up we could still play on the streets and have a really cool childhood similar to what the Dutch kids are having right now and therefore the Dutch kids are one of the happiest right yeah yeah that's true yeah I remember my childhood playing on the streets and playing with the kids in the neighborhood and being completely you know like free and at the moment because of how the situation has unfolded in South Africa and because of the political situation unfortunately safety is not as guaranteed as it is here to put it mildly Um, as a woman as a child you are an easy target and you are always vulnerable and um, one of the big things I enjoy about being here is that freedom is actually supposed to be a human right not a privilege and uh, they, I, I also consider my kids very lucky to still be growing up in a society where they are relatively safe. Mm-hmm. Whereas a lot of my friends and their kids at the moment currently in South Africa are not having the same experience. Oh. Yeah, so there's a lot of crime at the moment. And I'm not saying, yeah, obviously, like, um, not saying it's bad or all bad, but as a woman in South Africa, I've always had to be on my guard. When I was driving alone, when I used to leave the office building and used to walk um, to my car in the evening, I used to have to get somebody to accompany to my car if it was dark, for example, you know, mm-hmm. and certain places you have to avoid, certain access uh, access to the city and to spaces was very limited. And um, that's also what I want for my kids right now, to have the access to freely move you know, in in a city, in a community where they can also have access to to activities and um, and opportunities. It's so important, like you said. It's it's uh, it's a human right, the safety and uh, the freedom. But uh, it's unfortunately, it's not for everybody. No, I mean South Africa is merely one example of mm-hmm. uh, of where um, safety is not um, uh, you know a given in your daily life. You know, I can think of many other countries it's such a beautiful country and I really hope that over time things will uh, yeah it's going to take generations because it's taken generations to get it to this point and it's going to take generations to rebuild it and to rehabilitate it I sometimes feel a bit hypocritical being here to be honest because I feel that I should be in my country serving my country and playing this role in my own community oh really because a lot of people that have um, had Um, a good level of education have left the country you know they've contributed to the brain drain of South Africa and it's indeed those people that we need in the country to move forward so in a way I also feel a bit torn I think as a person living outside of your own country you also have to contend with this being the reality of your existence that in one 
part of your life you're going to feel like one foot is in one place and another foot is in another place and your heart is somewhere and your head is somewhere oh so yeah, yeah. Feel like I'm <laughs> you feeling know, like spread out in like different directions and I think that's just the reality of being um, an international person and immigrant a foreigner living in a country that's not your own yeah consciously pulling myself back yes I am here right now and I am here for a purpose and uh, let me celebrate this moment that moment, I have yeah. to be here and uh, to still figure out what my purpose is for being here and if I'm destined to be back home one day and serve a purpose in my own country and my community then I have to have faith just like I had a leap of faith to move here that a leap of faith will lead me back to where I belong ultimately. yeah Oh, that's so beautiful. I love that thought. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a bit emotional talking about it because I'm feeling quite homesick. And, you know, so I have these things that I also wrestle with every day. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, we push through. It makes us stronger, builds our character, you know, makes us more resilient. And uh, we figure out how much stronger and resilient we are uh, compared to what we initially thought. And yeah. you kind of go, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I can do this. You know, Is I'm that me? Yeah. The yeah. human spirit can do this. And yeah, just always trying to be conscious of that. What are the things that you do to uh, lift up your spirit? <laughs> We spoke a little bit before, and I said, I've recently discovered running. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and then I sprained my ankle. Murphy's <laughs> law. <laughs> I really enjoy being outdoors. I'm such a nature lover. And uh, of course, being in Arnhem and this part of the Netherlands, we're so blessed to have such amazing beauty and nature around us mm-hmm. that I just kind of suck it up. So I'm, I'm in nature all the time. I go for walks. I <laughs> can't wait to get back to running again. Um, obviously, yeah, I enjoy hanging out with my family. I also absolutely love cooking because it's a moment where I can just immerse myself in the act of cutting and chopping and being in the moment as well without because often my mind is filled with a zillion and one (laughs) (laughs) at the same time and to-do lists and 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 raising minds yeah and uh, cooking is yeah a little bit of my therapy where I really enjoy trying new things and experimenting and then feeling nostalgic and cooking things that my mom taught me or from home so Uh, that's that's become my happy place Oh, that's of course, what I love what I do. I mean, I think I'm also in such a privileged privileged position to work with uh, to work with such great people in my community where I learn so much from uh, the people that I've I meet along the way. And of course, meeting someone like you through Arnhem together has also been like, extremely special people that I never would have actually met uh, in mm. uh, if I didn't, uh, you know, have. If I wasn't part of, of the community um, as part of Arnhem Together and um, and then loving what I do at Hourlux as well. I um, work with uh, such amazing people and uh, we import uh, luxury interior brands and uh, it's kind of really cutting edge innovative brands that people don't need in their homes but really want. What? <laughs> so that kind of feeds a little bit of my previous, uh, my previous character with <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> That's really funny. Yes, yeah. I think, I mean, I don't know, we don't always have to be all spiritual and connected all the time. And sometimes it's kind of cool to also be a little bit frivolous and superficial. You know, we kind of made out of all of these layers as, as, a, as a person. 
And I don't want to feel I cannot be that at the expense of being something else. I kind of want to embrace no, all of those parts of me. Exactly. And it's uh, the full spectrum. And yes, uh, actually being spiritual is the whole, <laughs> the whole, yeah, the full spectrum of everything. Yes. And, uh, and like you said earlier, some things were ego driven in the fashion industry. But <laughs> I think I've learned that my ego can be very funny, too. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you know, they say you, you cannot experience the light without having experienced the dark. Yeah. So you cannot experience the self without having experienced the ego. And uh, I find that all the bitter and the sweet and all the paradox uh, of life. Um, so I am truly blessed to also work with this uh, interesting company. And yeah, as people are spending more time at home, we're creating little cocoons for ourselves. And uh, you know, that's the industry that I'm working in right now in the interior, in the interior world. Um, yeah, they have yeah. so many of them, not so many, but really beautiful products. And you showed me one of the, the beautiful lamp. Maybe you can tell more yes. about it. <laughs> so uh, I spoke about what I do is to obviously lead the listeners into um, the next uh, exciting bit of this podcast is that... Uh, Awalas and uh, myself, uh, we are giving away a really beautiful product, which is uh, one of the brands that we work with, which is called Daiki Concept. And uh, Claudia will post something, I'm sure, a little bit uh, when uh, when you publish the podcast, you will explain. Absolutely, yeah, and I will also post a picture. But uh, I work with, um, like I said, I work with some really beautiful brands, but this particular lamp that we are giving away is called Bird, and um, <laughs> it's uh, the brand is called Daiki Concept, and um, it's a Taiwanese brand, and it's a couple that actually had started this uh, this company themselves. So they are husband and wife, and they're based in Taiwan, and they were also really passionate about uh, creating beautiful interior accents for your home, and they work with um, traditional um, craftsmen in a um, district in Taiwan that specializes in porcelain and everything's made by hand in the specific uh, um, district and all done in a very traditional way but uh, the word daiki which is where daiki concept comes from it actually comes from an ancient Chinese saying um, it means to take time to become great and to mature and to emphasize that the best things in life require more dedication. Um, the philosophy that they also built on is that um, design, just like life, is not made up of thin air, but rather comes from a process of repetitive experiments and revision. And um, why I really love working with this brand is that it resonates so strongly with what I've been sharing with you and your listeners today is the process of repetition or revision and learning and unlearning well, is yeah. kind of what shapes us into who we ultimately become mm -hmm. or not become. We ultimately are becoming. I don't ever think that we reach an end point no. in our evolution. We're evolving, like you said earlier. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I'm very, very pleased to be able to give away a beautiful bird lamp um, to one of our lucky listeners, um, and uh, like I said, Claudia, you will share more details about that. Absolutely. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, um, I feel very honored to uh, to be able to uh, 
uh, offer this giveaway uh, on behalf of uh, you and uh, our Lux. No, is it our Lux or Daiki? Um, yeah, a Daiki concept is um, yeah one of the brands. One of the brands, but um, this giveaway yes. is from our Lux. Yes. So yes. Uh, the lucky person um, is having this beautiful, beautiful uh, <laughs> lamp. Absolutely. Um, before we end this um, episode, what would you like to share as um, your lesson or advice for the audience? Um, I think that, uh, yeah, it's pretty much a summary of what I've been saying um, to you, Claudia, that um, it may not feel, uh, the place that you are right now may not feel like it's the good, a good fit or even a good match or you may have lots of questions and doubts about um, where you are right now. But my advice would just be to take a step back. And even if things aren't perfect, in your opinion, if you bring yourself back to the present and immerse yourself in what you actually have, focus on what you have versus how things should be, I think that um, it will be such a beautiful opportunity for you to change your perspective and acknowledge where you are. I think, um, like I said to you, um, being here right now, I've realized that certain things years ago have happened absolutely at the right time and for the right reason. And this moment that you are in right now is one of those defining moments. We just will realize it later. And it would be quite amazing if we were to be present, we, we could also realize it a lot sooner than later. Yeah, appreciate where you are right now and um, allow yourself to bloom and flourish where you are. I think that creates a different point of reference. To add something, it's not a status quo where you are now. You are still evolving. Absolutely, absolutely. And yeah, like just, you know, also like, don't take life so seriously, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, yeah. Just, yeah, just I understand things have really been really hard for a lot of people. Despite COVID, life is just not equal for everybody it's mm -hmm. not we're not all um unfortunately allowed we're not we weren't all given the same privileges in life absolutely yeah and uh just to appreciate what what you are all about and how far you've come and acknowledge yourself in, in this moment i think is quite a powerful step to acceptance it could open up such amazing uh, doors later but somehow we just become tangled in the mess of everything that we can't see the wood from the trees and just take a little bit of a breather and time out and give yourself a pat on the back for all you have achieved and for how far you've come because it's a lot bigger than what you actually think it is. Wow. Thank you. That was a really beautiful advice and uh, also a life lesson. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. <laughs> you can have a glass of bubbles now or something. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. And um, Thank you so much we enjoyed our conversation. Yeah. I really enjoyed it as well. And yeah, wishing everyone a lovely day. Thank you. Bye. I hope to connect with you. Bye-bye. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time and for listening. Don't forget to subscribe on Spotify and Apple Podcasts for free notifications. Take care of you and as always wishing you a beautiful day.